as we look at the accounts of the wise men, maybe uh, we can take up the question uh, that they asked King Herod. Verse 2, if you've got a Bible of Matthew chapter 2, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Where can I find Jesus Christ? As we begin a new year, uh, that's the most important thing for any of us, is that we uh, set out on a journey, not a physical pilgrimage like some people do. Uh, some people would go on pilgrimage to Rome or San Sebastian or even St. David's. Uh, that's not the kind of journey uh, we're thinking of, but a spiritual journey where we come and like these magi we find Jesus Christ not just the king of the Jews but the king of all the world the king of kings and the lord of lords they are called wise men in the translation that we have read from and as we begin a new year may we be wise it's different from being clever you know being wise is doing the right thing, thinking the right thing, saying the right thing at the right time in the right way. And the first thing is to be wise to salvation, to be saved by believing in Jesus Christ. And then to continue being wise because Jesus Christ doesn't just make us wise by saving us, but Jesus is our wisdom. May this year be a year when we are truly wise, even if we're not able to be other things. Uh, may our prayer, like that of young Solomon before he became king, Lord, make me wise. Now, somebody might pipe up, Pastor, you're too late preaching on these wise men. No, we're not. We're too early. We're too early. The shepherds, which Andy preached on last Sunday and over Christmas, uh, they came to Jesus Christ when he was still in the manger, in the stable at Bethlehem. By this point, we're not talking now uh, of a few days. Now, incidentally, some nativity scenes, they show, don't they, the shepherds on one side and the wise men on the other. Sorry, that's wrong. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm disappointing anybody, but that's wrong. We're told in the reading that by the time the wise men arrived, the baby wasn't a baby, but was a child. And they weren't in a stable, but in a house, probably somewhere in Bethlehem. Also, the star that had uh, caused the wise men to take the journey from the east, and I take it that they came from Persia, modern-day Iran. And the star appeared to announce the birth of the baby Jesus. So it would have taken them at least several weeks to have followed the star from Iran to 
Bethlehem. And they got diverted on the way, didn't they? Because they took a wrong turn. They thought that the king would be born in Jerusalem, the capital city. And they had that conversation with King Herod, which we'll look at in a moment. But it would have taken them weeks, if not months, to have come and worshipped once they found him, the baby Jesus. So my friends, we're too early. Uh, This event probably happened either many weeks or a few months after the birth of the Saviour. So I'm thinking this morning about a spiritual journey. Uh, We've all been travelling, have we, over the Christmas period? Uh, I always go straight away after the Christmas morning service. I always go west uh, to my family to have a late uh, Christmas dinner and then I stay over there and the motorway is busy during Christmas time because it's not just me that's traveling to be with family. A lot of people are coming and going over Christmas. But the most important journey that you or I will ever make is that spiritual journey to Jesus Christ. Now, some people like these wise men may be seeking for Jesus for a long time, before they find him. Is that you? May you find him today. Others may suddenly uh, come uh, to believe in him. God works differently. And if we all shared our stories of how we came to Christ, it's the same place we come to, but there are all sorts of different ways that we get there. So may we, uh, as we sang, With gladness. Aren't you glad to be in church on the first Sunday of the new year? As with gladness, men of old, not just men, women and children, did the guiding star behold. As with joy, they hailed its light, leading onward, beaming bright. Think of that laser beam. Here is an even more powerful beam. So, most gracious Lord, may we be led to thee. And if we've already found him, may we be led again and again, nearer, still nearer. That's my prayer for us in 2024. So let's first look at the journey that these, I'm not saying three, because we don't know, these magi took. Now it wasn't an encouraging start, was it? How did they first hear about Jesus Christ? Did they have a Bible? No, there were no Bibles where they were living. Did they have a preacher come to them as we have uh, this morning and as we have every Sunday? No, there were no preachers in the place they were living. Were were there Christian missionaries there? Were there people uh, that were neighbors who were believers and were talking about the good news? No, they were living in a dark place, spiritually. It was a star, not an ordinary star. Uh, Some people think it was the Shekinah glory that they saw. But God used a star to speak to them. Now, why am I saying it was probably Persia? Well, these men were astrologers. They weren't kings, Uh, they were uh, court astrologers, and in case you think that that was something dodgy, 
a few centuries before, Daniel was an astrologer in Persia. And Daniel would have left uh, writings, wouldn't he? Even possibly fragments of the Word of God. And these men uh, would have known about Daniel. And now they see, gazing at the stars, this unique star. And they begin to ask questions. Now, how did God begin with you? Maybe it was sitting in this church. Uh, many of you were converted under the preaching of the word here. But it doesn't have to be like that. Uh, have you heard of Augustine, the great theologian? Uh, in the first few centuries, Augustine of Hippo. He was first converted when he was sitting in a garden in Milan. And he heard... On the streets outside, children singing. They were singing a children's song. And it was in Latin, so I don't know enough Latin to be able to quote the whole song. But the phrase in the song, tele loge, something like that. Take and read. Take and read. So he could hear children singing. And he could hear them singing, take and read. And that was like the star to Augustine, like the laser beam uh, shining into his heart. And in the garden, there happened to be a Bible. There happened to be a Bible. And he opened it, and he read the verses, I think in Romans, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been converted in a children's song. I've heard of people who haven't been converted in the sermon, but they've been converted in the children's talk. So it's uh, an inauspicious start. But God is working. God is working. And look at uh, who they are. They're not Jews. They're Gentiles. And look at the vast distance that they have to come in order to find Jesus Christ. They have to travel for weeks on end. We've got the pictures, haven't we, of them traveling uh, on their camels across the deserts. We don't know how many of them there were. But it was a long and lonesome and winding road. Are you put off by distances? We, we are so blessed in Cardiff. There's a church in nearly in every street in Cardiff, isn't there? And there are a number of churches that preach this good news. Uh, when we go to Andhra Pradesh in India, uh, we have a Bible school in Narzipadnam. And some pastors have to walk to get there from Orissa, the next state up. And they have to walk and catch buses. And it might take them a few days to get to a place where they hear the word of God. What, what, what is coming to Heath in comparison to that? I don't know who comes farthest here. But 20 minutes? That's nothing, is it? And we complain about the difficulties of getting to church. I know there are roadworks this morning, compounding things. But think of these men. They were so wanting to find Jesus Christ that no distance would put them off. 
no difficulty. And then it's not just that. They take the wrong turn, don't they? Uh, They think that the king would be born in Jerusalem. And they go to King Herod. That's the worst place they could have gone to because he is an enemy. But if God is in something, even if we go wrong, eventually we come back. Think of Pilgrim's Progress, uh, that masterpiece of Bunyan's where Christian uh, has the laser beam of the Holy Spirit convicting him in the city of destruction that he needs to be saved And then he meets Evangelist, and Evangelist points him to the wicket gate. Remember that? And Christian starts off well, but then he goes aside, doesn't he? He gets bogged down in the slough of despond, and he is distracted, but eventually he's sent back on the right track because God is in it. Listen, my friend, if you seek God with all your hearts, you will find him. No matter how far you may be from him, no matter uh, how uh, inauspicious uh, the events are, you will find him. And then notice the people that they meet in Jerusalem. These are the first so-called religious people that they come across. It's not encouraging, is it? Herod, he is a fox. He can't be trusted. He feigns to show an interest in Jesus Christ. But he really says to them, when you know where he is to be found, let me know so that I can worship him. That's not Herod's intention. Herod is wanting to destroy this usurper in his view. And then what I want to mention to you this morning is... Uh, when Herod hears uh, these wise men say that the star in the east has proclaimed the birth of a newborn king, what does Herod do? When King Herod heard it, he called all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, and he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Who are these? These are the religious leaders of the day. And they know their Old Testament. They didn't have the whole Bible And they give Herod and the wise men the correct answer, don't they? They said to him, verse 5, in Bethlehem of Judea, for that it is written, and they quote from the prophet Micah, they've got all the right answers in their head, but it doesn't move them. And it's a bit like that sometimes when you're seeking Jesus Christ. Uh, You really want to find him. You really want to be saved. And then you come across uh, maybe religious people. You come across maybe people like these who are ministers of the gospel. And instead of guiding you on the right path, they are indifferent. And they may know all the right answers in their head, but not in their heart. You know, Jerusalem is only a few miles away from Bethlehem. If these religious leaders really believed in their hearts that the babe that was in the stable or the house by now in Bethlehem was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Micah, they would have left, wouldn't they? And gone themselves, but they don't. I fear for some in this church because you you have head knowledge, but that's no good unless... 
It causes you to do something with Jesus Christ. As some of you may know your Bibles better than me. But does your knowledge of the Word of God bring you on your knees to believe and worship in Jesus Christ? Um, in Copenhagen, apparently, there's a cathedral, a Lutheran cathedral. And if you go in, there's a statue of Jesus Christ. Uh, where, where do they have the statues? They have the statues in the front, don't they? We don't have statues here, right? We, we're not into that. But the purpose of me telling you this is this statue, if you want to see the face of Christ, you've got to kneel. The, the, the face is... Uh, bow down a bit so you've got to get on your knees if you want to see his face why have we come here this morning is it just to see friends that's good but that's not the real reason is it is it just because this is something we're used to it's something traditional uh, that keeps us sane in a world that is changing so fast that we can't keep up with it. I'm, I'm all for uh, traditions, but that's not the reason why we should be here. We are here because we want Jesus Christ. Give me but Jesus, says one hymn, my Lord crucified. And so we sing these wonderful hymns. Uh, we pray together. We hear the word of God read. And as I'm doing now, preached. Because we want to find Jesus Christ for the first time, maybe. And once we found him, we want to come again and again. Do you know what Bethlehem means? One of the first things I learned in Bible college in Hebrew was the meaning of the word Bethlehem. It's got two words attached to it, bait and lechem. Bait is house, and lechem is bread. House of bread. How wonderful that the Christ child should be born in the house of bread. How amazing that he who is the bread of life, he uh, who is the substance of all the manna from heaven that God provided his people with in the Old Testament, that he should be born in the house of bread. Is this why we have come to church? We have come in order to feed. Nay, we have come in order to feast upon Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, Christians in uh, parts of the world where they lack our privileges in so many other things, Put us to shame, not just in terms of getting to church. No obstacle will stop them from coming to worship the Lord. But when they are in church, they want a feast. They want a feast. Uh, I, I've been told off in some churches in Moldova and India for stopping too soon. And it's not that long ago when in Wales, when God was at work, they, they would have several sermons a day. It wasn't because these people were religious nuts. They just wanted to feed on Jesus Christ. 
as is sung in the rugby stadium, bread of heaven, feed me now and evermore. Is that your desire in coming to church? It, it doesn't matter how the food is presented, surely, as long as it's good, spiritual, nourishing food. Let me read some words of J.C. Ryle. How often the very people who live nearest to the means of grace, not just physically now, but thinking spiritually, the people who live nearest to the means of grace are those who neglect them most. There is only too much truth in the old proverb, the nearer the church, the further from God. Familiarity with sacred things has an awful tendency to make us despise them. May we not be like the religious people in Jerusalem with all their Bible knowledge. It didn't move them one inch towards the, the Lord Jesus Christ. May we be like the wise men with very little privileges, but what we've got, we use. You know, you may not know much about Bible doctrines. You may not know that much of the Bible. You, you may find some of these hymns a bit old-fashioned. Uh, you, you, you may not know about some of the books I've been referring to. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you want Jesus Christ with what little knowledge you have, I say keep on seeking, keep on. So th that's the first thing I want us to look at, the spiritual journey. Uh, what did we sing in that third hymn? Vainly we offer each ample oblation. I don't know the meaning of some of these words myself. Vainly with gifts would his favour secure. Riches by far is the heart's adoration. Dearer to God, the prayers of the poor. God says to you and to me, son, daughter, give me your hearts. Give me your hearts. The hearts of the matter. The hearts. But there's another journey I want to mention. An even more important journey than the journey of these wise men and the spiritual journey that we have to find Jesus Christ. And it's not the journey of Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. Do you know what journey it is? There's a coming together here. The Lord is working on both ends. Uh, the wise men, whoever they are, however many of them there were, at great distance to Bethlehem, are moved of God uh, by a star. Uh, just as Augustine was moved by a children's song, and it wasn't a Christian children's song, to start the journey. And they come. God is in it. They come. They will come and find him. And then there's another journey, and they meet together in Bethlehem. And you know what journey that is? The journey that God the Son took when he left somewhere even farther away than Persia. Where did Jesus Christ come from? He didn't come from Bethlehem. The baby Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The human, uh, as it were, of 
Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. But God the Son came from heaven. From heaven you came, helpless babe. And what did he do in heaven? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was from eternity with his Father and the Holy Spirit. And they were in bliss. I know we have to refer to it metaphorically as the palace, the courts of heaven. But we have to do that so our little minds can get around it. So if you think of these magi high up in the society in Persia, uh, the royal astrologers, how much higher was the Son of God in the courts of heaven? And he left that. He left it. And he humbled himself and became one of us. He came down to earth and he didn't come to a palace to be born. He wasn't born in Jerusalem in the royal palace. He was born in Bethlehem. And I think Bethlehem in Jesus' day was a bit like it is today. A dump. A very poor place. Like Nazareth. And there was no room in any of the houses or the hostelries in that dump of a place. So it was in a stable. And the only place where they could put him down in the stable was the feeding trough. That's what a manger is. The feeding trough of the animals. It would have been smelly, as I mentioned a few weeks ago. My grandfather was a farmer, and he farmed cattle. And the baby, as we used to call it, uh, that's the Welsh word for stable, it was absolutely stinking. It was filthy. It was unhygienic. And that's where the pure baby Jesus was laid. And then he went even further, didn't he? He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You can tell how much people love you by how far they're willing to go. Uh, how far is somebody willing to travel sometimes, you know? Uh, when we go to India, I, I long to be able to go back uh, there, Sirin. <laughs> we fly from this country to Delhi, the capital of India. But we don't just stay in Delhi. It's, it's very nice in Delhi. It's a modern city like any other uh, city in the world. But then we catch uh, Spice Air, uh, which is like the Indian equivalent of EasyJet. Spice Jets. We catch that to Vizag in the southeast of India. So Vizag isn't quite like Delhi. And then we travel by a car from Vizag to the hills, another four-hour journey to Nursi Padnam, which is much poorer than Vizag. I'm trying to illustrate how far we go to take the gospel to the people there. And then we don't just stay in Narzi Padnam and the lodge where we stay in Narzi Padnam. It's probably the best place there is there. But it's, it's not even like a travel lodge in this country. 
And then from Narzipadnam, if we want to go into the hills then, it's another three, four-hour journey. And you begin to get to the tribal people then, right? And we want to take the gospel to them. And then, I remember the last time we were there, in the hills, we travelled then even further to a village, a tribal village. And the last part, we couldn't even use public transport. We had to walk. And I remember Basker being carried. <laughs> and we took part in a tribal dance. And the people were amazed that we travelled so far to bring good news to them. But that's nothing in comparison to the distance that Jesus Christ undertook. In order to save you, even if it was just one lost sheep, the good shepherd will go all the way. All the way. My time is coming to an end. But let me say, it was a borrowed stable, wasn't it? That he was born in. It was a borrowed stable. He lived in such discomfort, the discomfort we have to endure in India, the cockroaches and all the other things. It's nothing in comparison to what the Son of God had to endure in this world and then to go all the way to the cross. And even when he went to the cross, it was Barabbas who had to go free. He was taking another's place, your place, my place. And even as he was on the Via Dolorosa, the road of sorrow, carrying the cross, it was another that helped him carry it. And when he hung on the cross, it wasn't his own sin that he had to pay the punishment of because he didn't have any. It was another, your sin, my sin. We'll sing in a moment from the squalor of a borrowed stable. Isn't that good? Came the saviour of the human race. Through the kisses of a friend's betrayal, Judas Iscariot, he was lifted on a cruel cross. He was punished for a world's transgression. My sin, your sin, past, present, future, nailed to that cross. He was suffering to save the lost. He fights for breath. He fights for me. Praise God. Loosing sinners from the claims of hell. And with a shout, our souls are free. It is finished. Death defeated by Emmanuel. Hallelujah. He came all the way to that cross. And he accomplished the mission that his father gave him to do. So that you and I, when we believe in him, are no longer under condemnation, but we are free. Not to do what we want, but like these wise men, to bow the knee and to serve him. It's not a cheap salvation. It's costly. We come freely. We come as we are. But we give him our hearts, don't we? There's something in the gifts that the wise men offer. 
I don't know if you uh, see this, the gold. You know what the gold stands for? The gold stands for royalty. They are acknowledging Jesus as their king. It's no longer the king of Persia that they are serving. They are serving him as citizens. It is now King Jesus. Are you serving King Jesus? If you want him as savior, you've got to have him as Lord as well. Your obedience doesn't save you, but it proves that you are truly saved. What is the frankincense? Not Frankenstein, frankincense. What does that refer to? It's incense. Beautiful smell, incense. It refers to deity, to his Godhead, all the incense in the temple and the myrrh. You know what the myrrh stands for. Myrrh would have been used to embalm dead bodies. It's looking to Jesus as our saviour the one who dies for us. There's a hymn I love. We haven't got it in our supplements, but it says this, upon a life I did not live. I could never live it. I'm never going to be good enough. On a death I did not die. Another's life, another's death. I stake my whole eternity. Are you doing that? Are you saying I'm trusting in Jesus Christ now. I've taken a long time to find him, but I've come to the place now where I'm despairing of saving myself. I'm not going to trust religion even. I'm going to leave my sin. I'm going to leave my good works in terms of believing in them to save me, and I'm going to run as I am to Jesus Christ, and I'm going to stake my whole eternity on him. If he fails, it's all over for me. But if he is victorious, I through him, even though I'm weak, am more than conqueror. Are you going to do that? We we sing, don't we? Uh, Not in church, but it's a fine poem uh, by Christian Rossetti. She she was a Christian poet. Do you know the the poem in the bleak, in the bleak midwinter. It's bleak, isn't it, at the moment? It is midwinter. It was freezing coming here this morning. In the bleak midwinter. But you know, there's a warmth when you find Jesus Christ. What can I give him? Poor as I am. Do you, do you, do you know these words? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my parts, yet what I can, I give him. I give him my heart. You may not have much else, but if you give Jesus your heart this morning, you are blessed, you are rich, you are wise. Have you found him? Where is he? that is born the king of the Jews. He's no longer in Bethlehem. You don't have to go on pilgrimage. Go and visit Bethlehem when the war is over and certainly visit Jerusalem. It's well worth seeing. But you won't find Jesus Christ there. You won't find him in uh, the Vatican. You won't find him in San Sebastian. You won't find him in St. David. You won't find him on Carnaeth Llewellyn, one of the holy mountains in Wales. Go up there, it's a wonderful place. 
but you won't find him. You will find him in here. You will find him in prayer. Can you pray? The first prayer I ever prayed, I was brought up coming to chapel and all of that, and I would say my prayers, but I didn't really pray. The first prayer I ever prayed was when that laser beam of the Holy Spirit convicted me of my need of salvation, and all I could pray was, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. It's not a long prayer. It's not a complicated prayer. Think of Peter sinking in the waves. All he could pray was, Lord, save me. He couldn't say any more than that, otherwise he would have drowned, wouldn't he? Can you pray this morning from your heart, Lord, save me? And if you are saved, don't keep it to yourself. Tell others that you've found him. And for those of us who have found him, may this year be a year when we find him again. You know what I mean. He becomes more real to us than ever before. May you have a blessed new year as we come to Jesus, find him for the first time, and then having found him, he is now our wisdom, and we want more of him for his name's sake. Amen. Let us now sing together uh, I think this is the last carol we'll be singing this year. <laughs> From the squalor of a borrowed stable. I've already quoted from this hymn. It's Stuart Townend's uh, superb carol. It's number 20 in the supplements.
So, Father, we give glory to Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us, and that it's not even about our own journey uh, to find the Saviour, but about what he did, coming down from heaven to die on that cruel cross so that we could be saved. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that in me is. Father, deliver us from spiritual indifference uh, and make us, as a people, be those who are glad with exceeding great joy. And may many come into this house and find and be found of Jesus Christ. And now may his grace and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.